Will somebody go grocery shopping for me too? That's my favorite activity. Okay, perfect. Then we're set. (laughs) This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work to money to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Hey, Sid. Hey, Brian. What's up? Oh, not too much. Just working on my prioritization square. I'm so proud of you. Taking it one quadrant at a time. So this week I'm going to focus on the school quadrant Mm. and because I feel like I have forgotten about grad school in a way, which means Uh. that (laughs) I feel maybe others have as well. So um, semester started at the end of August and it was just really hard to get like back into the mindset that I needed to get into. This happened a lot in college too, like in my undergrad. (laughs) And that was like my only focus at that point in my life. So if that tells you anything about me it's very clear what kind of student I was um so with everything going on at work and for QS like I think it just kind of it was on the list because I was enrolled (laughs) I was showing up um but as far as like really being like mentally there I wasn't as much and so this past weekend I was really able to take most of Sunday to study for my midterms and focus on my online class And I just feel like I was reading information about things that I remembered why I started. And I remembered, like, why I was excited about my program. There was a lot of focus this past weekend on, like, company culture for different companies, like, in the U.S. and abroad. And so I was just like, this is why I started this, was to learn about these things and see how these things affect the people that work at these companies. And it just brought me back to, like, putting it as the same level of prioritization as it should have been from the beginning of the semester. So I just was like, okay, this is what you needed. Like you hit the reset button. You're you're only halfway through the semester. So now's a good time to pick it up. And like I was doing really well the last couple of semesters and that was like a point of pride for me. So I'm glad to have like refocused and gotten myself back on track and I am feeling really good about it. So that's where I'm at. The re-motivation, I think, is key in this process of pursuing a grad program that's in addition to your everyday life and career. Right. Which can be challenging, but I think it's nice to know that there was something within the courses that you're taking to, like, punch you in the gut and, like, get you, like, I'm re-amped. Refocused. I'm up. up." Yes. Um, I think that's awesome because... It gives me, like, a little bit of glimpse of, like, if you ever do this in any capacity, whether it's, like, additional certifications or whatever. I haven't committed to a full-time master's or whatever at this point. But it's nice to know that the difference is that the thing that you're studying is something that you deeply care about. Mm -hmm. And that helps make it worthwhile in the end. Right. And it's that like it's that consistent reminder of like you did this for a reason. This was a choice that you made. Like no one forced this on you. So if you're gonna take the time to do it at all, you might as well like do it 
the at the best you can do it and do it well yeah versus just like sliding by just for kicks it's like it's just like you might as well take it off your plate if that's how you're going to treat it so this was a good like like you said like punch in the gut so that's where i'm at what about you so things are busy right now (laughs) a bit um i'm in the midst of a event series Mm -hmm. and uh that leads to busier life plus lots of exciting QS things. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to keep that one task at a time thing in my brain. Right. Of like, savor the free moments and get what you need to get done when you need to get done. Yes. Because the priority option from a daily task perspective has been really helpful for me of like, if you do anything today, it needs to be these things. Right. And just kind of thinking about the day with that mindset. And sometimes it feels overwhelming, but also it's the only way that I'm going to get everything done Mm -hmm. in time for the things that are coming at me from all angles. Right. Um, But one thing that was actually like a nice refresher in the weekend routine was to be able to hop back into my meal prep mode. Hmm. I think with summer, we took a little bit of a breather just because, or like, not necessarily a breather, but it was like a lot of much easier low-key meals because it's like, you know, fresh veggies, like stuff that you can just like throw together, throw together pretty easily. And so I, and also like, if I have a Sunday free, I want to be spending that outside when I have that time available to me. Totally. So I, I definitely wasn't like, you know cooking with my oven on when it's 92 degrees outside yeah that makes sense not ideal no so now that it's like chillier and like it was a rainy weekend it was so nice to conquer like five different recipes and just use up a bunch of stuff that i had from my um csa and things that i was like really amped to cook and kind of getting getting back into that like comfort food groove nice and it was amazing that's good and that like helps you like I had to like hit that reset button and Mm -hmm. say like this is the thing I have control over right now this is the thing I want to focus on everything else has its place in time so like let me get down a little bit and check some things off my list that will be beneficial like over the next couple weeks in addition to like feeding my soul right now because I think the other thing that's been helpful for me too is that I'm taking I'm not thinking about, like, yes, I do need to meal prep because it's providing me healthy meals for the week, so I'm not, like, running to grab fast food. Right. Um, It's the additional benefit is, like, this is something that you savor and enjoy. And to enjoy and soak up that moment of downtime and treating it like downtime instead of, like, this is a thing that you have to do. Yes. And be like... If I'm going to make barbacoa, I'm going to make barbacoa. That sounds delicious. I must have missed my doggy bag mm. um, of my meal prepped stuff. But we can talk about that later. The leftovers are hanging in Dan's fridge. Shut the front door, Dan. Hook a girl up. <laughs> I'll come by for that later. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm glad that you're feeling like whole and prepared and like settled in that sense and Mm -hmm. it allows you to like open up the door to like attack the next week effectively yes that's great good 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 what is inspiring you this week so this week or this past weekend i watched the quincy jones documentary on netflix 
And when I tell you this man is a genius, <laughs> I like I know that I have a tendency to exaggerate most of the things in my life. I've accepted that. But this is such like this is just so worth anybody's time. I think there's so much that I didn't know about Quincy Jones and his story and his background, but not only did it include his whole professional life, but it included so much about his personal life, so much about his kids and his wives <laughs> and yes and his upbringing like he grew up on the south side of Chicago and talked about like his relationship with his parents and his relationship with his mother was like really sorted and she went through a lot herself and it was just like it was just am- amazing to learn those things and then to like see what he accomplished in his professional life like our greatest cultural moments like were executed and planned by him and like that is what was blowing my mind like we are the world. He did that. Oh. Thriller album. He produced it. Movie scores. The Wiz. He did that. He wrote the music for that. He had like wow. he put together the whole concert that was celebrating the opening of the African American History Museum in DC. He's an EGOT winner. Like it's just like the I was like, how is a person this accomplished? And like also he's 82 and like rolling at full steam. It's just really, and the man has had two major brain surgeries, shock, he had a stroke, he had a blood clot, and he's, like, still killing it. And, like, I walked away from my TV, and I was just like, oh, my God, that was just so worth every second of it. And I found myself, like, not doing that thing where I checked my phone or, like, do the scroll. You were, like, full I was, like, eyes at attention. Exactly. <laughs> I was, like, fully invested. And, like, Rashida Jones is one of his daughters. You know Rashida Jones from, like... What's that show that I love with Amy Parks Cole? and Retri- yeah. Recreation? <laughs> what is it? I can't remember. <laughs> That's what it is. So she's in that amongst many other things. But he, she's one of his daughters, and she shot part of it and, That's like, really cool. asked him questions. And it was just this amazing moment where, like, they got to share so much as well. And, like, not only was the story fantastic but the way the story was told was just, it was just really well done too like the way things flowed together like past and present it was just it was just so good and the man's a freaking genius like he is a treasure <laughs> and like we should like the the people that like they had shots of him saying hello to people and all the people that he knows and knows intimately like they're his like inner circle people and, like nobody should have a friend list like this like nobody should have that and he does and it's like not only is he respected but he's like a philanthropist and a humanitarian and like he's out there changing the world and not just in the U.S., but, like, all over the freaking world. And I was just, like, I could watch it, like, a thousand more times and never be satisfied because it was just it was just that good. So I highly recommend it. We'll link to the trailer in the show notes. But, like, holy Toledo, get your booty in front of that TV and on a couch. I'm adding it to my list. You should. It's just really fantastic. So that was mine. <laughs> what about you, Ron? <laughs> Well, I hope that I can convey my excitement as much as yours I don't was think so. exemplified. I don't know. Just now for Quincy Jones. I'm like feeling it to my core still. <laughs> You're like vibrating with excitement. I am. So make me do the same. <laughs> so um, totally different, but also equally inspire per- inspiring person. Um, I am a major fangirl of Ina Garten. I always thought it was Ina. It's Ina? <laughs> 
I think so. <laughs> Garden. We're going to have to find out now because I've been saying Ina for quite a long time. So we're going to need that fact checked. I feel like every time you say something differently than me, I'm like, oh, damn, I've probably been doing it wrong this whole time. Well, I hope someone will have heard you say that and then had corrected you. I've never said Ina Garten in front of anybody because I have absolutely no reason to. Yeah. Because we don't, I, I don't cook. So I have no reason to reference her. So well, you're probably right. Well, I do because I love her and she's amazing. She is known for Barefoot Contessa, Mm -hmm. which most people think about her from her cookbook, Mm -hmm. perhaps maybe her Food Network TV show. Her relationship with Jeffrey. Um, Her and Jeffrey. (laughs) That's all I hear about. An undying love that is just so sweet and cheesy. Yeah. It's magical. It's all I hear about when it comes to Ina. (laughs) (laughs) Get it together. So, um... Obviously, I'm in this mode of meal prepping. So one of the things that I think about is like, okay, who can I get inspired by? What are some recipes that I want to try? And she does simple food really well. Hmm. And she's like all about cooking the basics and knowing exactly what you need to do to get a meal on the table that's simple but elegant. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just like, one of her claims to fame and she just makes it so approachable like when you're watching her tv show you feel like you're sitting across the table from her and it's just you two hanging out i love that and then you get to eat the beautiful roast chicken that she made but um what was most eye-opening to me i listened to an interview on milk street radio where she talked to um the host there and it, it was just really interesting to hear her backstory because I didn't realize that she actually got her start owning a market in the Ah, Hamptons. Oh, that's serious. She owned like a little shop that did, and she bought it from someone and it was named Barefoot Contessa when she bought it. Wow. And thought about changing the name, but just adopted it as like, everything else yeah and it was known in the community. So she was like, I'm not going to change it yet. We'll like see what happens. And so It was actually really interesting to hear her talk about how she kind of got her start and put so much time and energy into building the shop and making it successful and everything that went into like, you know, thinking about the placement of things and what kind of new recipes and how do I get someone to buy something from the case and realizing that that ended up motivating her into what became her cookbook and her TV shows. She had a great relationship with Martha Stewart. So that kind of like put her on the map, you know, (laughs) but what I found, what I found most interesting is that she, one day she'd like kind of gotten the full experience from the store and sold it to the employees and decided to take a year off Hmm. and she had the hardest time she was like i have no idea what i'm gonna do next and so she literally took an entire year just to try and figure out what she was gonna do and then she and jeffrey had a great conversation that (laughs) as you'd expect (laughs) that motivated her to end up writing some recipes and just like just starting and seeing if that's something that inspires her and, and makes sense and it that's what became the first everything else barefoot contessa cookbook wow and it was just so cool to hear about like all the behind the scenes of stuff that i just didn't realize it's i've spent all this time watching her tv show on mm-hmm. food network it's one of my favorite things to do when i'm at the gym which seems a good one strange and counterproductive but i love it <laughs> keeps you super focused <laughs> um but it, it's just she's she's magical and 
I think she does a really good job with the way that she approaches cooking and making it doable. And like, I love to throw, be like host status. And so I always think about all of her tips and she's magical. That's awesome because I think the... I think what we share in common is we really enjoy a backstory and learning about, Mm -hmm. like, how someone got to where they are. And I think that knowing, you know, like, when she started her show and the book and everything, she was obviously, like, older and and had a full career behind her. But, like, you don't know what that looked like. And to know that she was picking out her strengths from something that was fairly different from what she ended up doing because it's a lot of operations, it's a lot of, like, management and all that kind of stuff. And to, like, see what she picked out of her strengths to create her next step Mm -hmm. gives you this really, like, exciting picture of, like, oh, my gosh, what if I did that? What if I thought about, like, my strengths in either your current role or anything that you're doing that, like, where your strengths rise to the top and, like, what you can do with that and not take it as, like, the negative of like, oh, I don't get to do this as often as I'd like. But what you can build with that going forward is a really exciting thing to think about. And I think it's really common for us now to be like, oh my God, this 24-year-old has hit, it's his greatest success or her greatest success or this CEO started her company when she was 18. And you're like, I haven't done anything yet. Right. And she came into her own in, you know, in her 30s right. and even after the fact and she's like thriving and living her best life doing the thing that fulfills her the most now mm-hmm. as she's older and i think that's an additional motivating factor for us as women of like you don't have to you know have it all together right now in this exact moment right think about the things the the building blocks the stepping stones to where you want to go and it's really cool to kind of see how this all came together for her because they're they're Nicely woven. Yeah. That's exciting. I love that. She's great. If I ever learn to cook better, then maybe I'll advance myself to the Ina Garten level. Maybe. I'll send you some recipes. That are, like, for me, that I can do. That's the thing. She does really doable food that's so manageable. Okay. Will somebody go grocery shopping for me, too? That's my favorite activity. Okay, perfect. Then we're set. (laughs) Got it all figured out. Okay, Brianna, what are we talking about today? Give it to me straight. So, Sid, uh, at the time of this recording, <laughs> it is we're in the midst of Mental Health Awareness Week. Yes, next next year we'll plan better, <laughs> and this will be released right before Mental Health Awareness it's Week. It's okay because this is a conversation that needs to be happening year round. True. So, um, in terms of obviously mental health awareness, that's something that kind of goes wide and deep. There's so many avenues for us to to dive into those topics and the things that are affecting people on a daily basis. But today, we are conquering fear and how to let it go. Yeah. It's very scary. It's scary to talk about fear. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> and it's like, this is something that we both struggle with. And when we were talking about, like, what to do for this episode and you had suggested, like, letting go of fear, I was like... I don't know how I'm going to talk about that. But then you always create a space to say, like, these all contribute to this concept and, like, this reality, especially for you and I. And it really helped, for me, it really helped me be like, oh, my God, this is the root of so much of what I deal with and I know that you deal with. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that this was super appropriate. So I'm very thankful that you brought this um, out of the woodwork and uh, 
onto the podcast. It was actually really great research and knowledge for me to have in, from like a just personal standpoint. <laughs> We're going to share. We'll share. Because <laughs> um, for me, so to get give everyone some background, um, fear equals stress for me. And when it compounds, it results in what I've now understood to be like true anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a very strong physical response to it. Um, anxiety attacks do end up becoming more common when that compounding issue starts to take place. And I experience shortness of breath, neck and shoulder pain. Um, I get TMJ from clenching my jaw, heart palpitations. And at one point in my life, I broke out into a full body rash. I remember that. It was bad. It's not great. And (laughs) we'll never go back to that. (laughs) Um, So I think even thinking about this and how the two um, kind of exist separately, fear and anxiety, but also coincide and what that impacts, how that impacts us as people. Um, And I think making sure that we're keeping it in check and monitoring ourselves from a preventative standpoint versus reactive of like, this has happened. I'm in the midst of an anxiety attack. Right. Or I'm in the midst of feeling like my stress level is at an all-time high and Mm -hmm. I'm scared of what X, Y, and Z things are happening. Yeah. How do you do something in your life to let go of those fears before they compound into all of those terrible things that I just shared? Those very scary, like, and very real, very real things. And I think, yeah, for me, fear becomes, like, I'm, I think about it in terms of, like, what I'm afraid of and then what that turns into either physically or emotionally or mentally. And, mm-hmm. like, it's fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of success, fear of disappointment. Like, all of those things have different reactions for me personally. And so today what we're going to talk about is kind of, like, what causes that and and what we experience as it's happening. And then we want to talk about some solutions to that and what we either have focus on ourselves and like what we've experienced that has worked for us and also what we see kind of like through the things that we've read and experienced from our relationships, what has worked for other people and Mm -hmm. what can be solutions for someone else that will work better. So that's what we're getting into. Um, So are we ready to speak at Queens? Let's do it. Woo. So first I want to define the differences between fear and anxiety um, because they are different. Fear causes anxiety and anxiety can cause fear but there is a difference between the two so fear is an emotional response to a known or definite threat so like Whoa. literally someone like coming at you like coming at you right uh and anxiety comes from your mind's interpretation of possible dangers that could arise from a p- potentially threatening situation Um, Hmm. And then it manifests itself in physical symptoms. That's a really good thing to recognize that they, like, impact each other very much, but, like, how they are separate things and what each of those things means. Because I think about, like, I think for a little while I was kind of tossing around the word anxiety without really, like, understanding. And I was, like, not because I was, like, trying to show off, but because I was, like, I really think this is a thing that I'm experiencing. But, it like, putting it in those terms of, like, what your mind's interpretation of of possible dangers are so it's like what you consider to be dangerous Mm -hmm. for someone else is like a walk in the park and for someone else could be just like an average day but for you it is like the height of 
of scariness. Right. And, like, that difference for me puts a lot of things in perspective, thankfully. And, like, I can see that as a potential solution to the problem. It's it's then, like, okay, how do you see through the forest? Is that the phrase? I never get that one right. Like, forest <laughs> through the trees, trees through the forest. I don't know. But, like, how do you focus on the right thing? <laughs> and get to the bottom of it. <laughs> So it's exactly. good to have those those definitions for sure. Yeah, and I think it was helpful for me too, even though I've definitely navigated this in, in a variety of different ways. But I think you explain it precisely where we're in this mode of running through scenarios in our head that we are creating ourselves. Right. And how do we not manifest those fears in reality. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Like, how do you cut them off at the knees before they become a whole person? Yeah, because, like, <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if your mind was just, like, shh, all the time? Gosh. Just quiet. <laughs> We're going to get to that in solutions because that sounds like a dream. <laughs> but first. <laughs> Let's talk about what causes everything. <laughs> what causes, so, okay, Brianna, what causes um, our fear? What so do you think? multiple things. First and foremost, it's definitely an instinctual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes back to those early caveman days. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all trying to survive, survive, and it's our reaction to a threat, that f- flight or fight response that we have. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sends that cortisol through our bodies, and we're prepared to fight off the jaguar. Right. Um, but the problem with that we face today is that we don't have the same threats that existed in caveman days. Sure. That makes sense. Not many of us are facing jaguars on a daily basis. And if you are, props. (laughs) Cool job. Let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So our bodies are living in this stressed out state all the time. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to prepare for things in our everyday lives that are rooted in fear of uncertainty, insecurity, and lack of control. Oh, that lack of control. And isn't there, I know the fight or flight response is like a thing that we've talked about and that we we do talk about a fair amount. Um, and there's another F though. I think they just recently added another. Flee. Is it flee? Yeah. So how is that different than flight? Just kidding. It's, I, I'm wrong. <laughs> we'll have to think about that because I really thought I heard like an fright? additional. Maybe it was. I don't know. <laughs> fright, flight, or fight <laughs> whatever it is it's like it's definitely flee <laughs> which could be slightly different than flight who knows oh freeze it my bad freeze you're right yes it's freeze and i think that is a really important one too because i you know i always thought there was one missing you know when they mm-hmm. say things i'm like i'm not either of those things i'm definitely not gonna fight but i don't think i have it in me to f- the flight I, I'm a freeze. I'm a freeze. Which is probably why I forgot that that was the one because I... On the spot. <laughs> get anxious. Does it do... I'm getting a little pink. So stressed out now. Tears. Instant tears. But I think like... And that's what it is. Is like for all of the kind of fears that we face in our daily lives. Like I, I really think to myself on a regular basis, I face a fear every single day. Mm-hmm. Every moment of every day, I'm facing a fear. And... I thought that that was normal. Like, I thought that was a thing that everybody experienced. Like, I ride an elevator at least twice a day. That's a real fear for me. But I do it every single day. So I'm, I I give myself a big pat on the back at the end of every day. Because I'm like, you faced a lot of fears today. <laughs> like, you jumped on the phone and made some calls and faced possible rejection at every turn of your day. That's a big deal. So it's like, I thought that, again, was like a thing that everybody 
dealt with, but then you realize like, okay, my brain is doing something to, to, to me that makes me feel like everything I do is facing a fear, which mm-hmm. I thought was a good thing, but it turns out that there are, you know, some negatives about that. So yes, freeze is the other one that I think like we need to start putting into our narrative because there's a lot of people that react that way instinctually. And like, that's not a bad thing, but the, the reason we call it out is so like everybody is recognized and mm-hmm. that like all of us feel somewhat validated in our responses. So that's that's good that we have covered that. For sure. Um, so how else are we causing fear? We're or- holding on to the past. Yeah. Uh, it's very common for people to hold on to pain or past memories. And that'll often cause people to build up walls or defense mechanisms to avoid getting hurt or failing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that has a big impact on how we move through the world. And it's a problematic space for us to be living in that. And I think that's a very, we have an excellent solution that will fall into this category. But I think it's pretty common for your brain to be like, I am preparing myself for this situation that I know has happened to me before. And Mm -hmm. so here are the things that I'm going to do to protect myself. Right. I think for me, like what comes right to mind when I think of holding on to the past is imposter syndrome. Yes. And it's a real, if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, it is when, um, like the thinking that whatever success you experience is not your own, you haven't earned it, or others are saying that you don't deserve it. Like that's ex- it, like instantly what comes to your mind when you're experiencing imposter syndrome. And it can happen both like, I think of it mostly in the workplace because, you know, like you get a new job or you get a promotion and you instantly are like, and it's it goes beyond like the negative self-talk, right? It is, is a true feeling of not being in the right place or mm-hmm. not having earned or not feeling like you will ever be successful in the place that you are. But I think about like the way this can show up in your personal life too, of like, if you're a new parent and you're like, oh my God, like this is not where I'm supposed to be. How did I get here? I'm going to blow this. Like all of those, what feel like from, from my parent friends are natural feelings, but definitely like fall into the imposter syndrome category and you Mm -hmm. think about like if you're in relationships like how am I with this person like that can't be right this isn't this isn't like my path I don't deserve this Um, and it can show up in a lot of different ways so it's like how do you check that imposter syndrome and how do you um, replace that kind of talk and again solutions (laughs) coming later coming soon (laughs) so additionally stress also is a, a fear combined Stress and fear should just exist as the equals. True. <laughs> yep, I get that. Um, and I think it's common when you have a million things buzzing in your head, it's hard to nail nail down what needs to be done next. Mm-hmm. And so for me, a lot of my stress is a result of fear and like that train going in my head of these things aren't going to work out and here's how I need to prepare for that. Or like, here's how I'm going to prepare for the worst case scenario so that I have every box checked. It's like a problem that exists in my list making lifestyle of like, I need to have everything covered and know all the logistics and know exactly what problems are going to arise so that I can have a solution for them. But the reality is that whenever it comes to the situation, I think of a very recent example where it's like, Sometimes things don't work out. Right. And that's just the way that life is. 
and you can't prepare for everything. And so you need to like slow down and just kind of let life happen sometimes Mm -hmm. um, because otherwise you're going to wear yourself out trying to get in the zone for everything. Yeah. Or like setting yourself up for like expectations not going the way that you want them to. Right. There's a a lot of ways that like all of that can kind of blow up in your face. And I think about how we joke so much at the time, like, you're such a type A person. And like, that becomes a big joke. I know I'm friends with a lot of type A people. And I think I do it on purpose. (laughs) Because I'm like, they're so good at so many things. And it's true. But I think like what we make fun of with a type A person or like, like to like be lighthearted about is that like, everything has a place and a time and a compartment. And there is just so much organization there and so much like that is in the right place at the right time, no questions asked. But what that does, I think, to that person, while it might be like lighthearted, and I'm sure you can attest to this, is there's like then compounded expectation and compounded stress. Because you're Mm -hmm. like, I am this way. Like this is the way that everybody expects me to be. So if I'm not checking everything off my list, if everything doesn't happen exactly the way that it is supposed to, then like what does that mean? about me what does that say about like me as a person and we start to identify ourselves as as certain things and if we don't feel like we're living up to those expectations either put on ourselves by us or by someone else then like that stress and then that fear just takes you completely out of it I don't care if you have anxiety or not like that is going to be a thing that affects you um and that's that can be really scary for people so for sure yeah so what are our solutions? Because we always like to wrap on a high note. <laughs> We're making it great for you guys because we've got things for you to work on. Yes. Um, and so what's great about this is that these things range from personal tactics, as you mentioned, stuff that we've tried, stuff that we've done, holistic medicine to speaking to your doctor. Yep. I think especially if you're living in the state of like feeling like it's leaning on more of an anxiety disorder – you probably should consider talking to your doctor, whether that's your GP or someone close to you or just making an appointment with a therapist. It could be really helpful. And I did read that for um, for a fear-based, anxiety-based, generalized anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. uh, cognitive behavior therapy is the best suited for this. So that's something to keep in mind from that perspective. That's good to know. But from a personal tactic, the first thing that I found really helpful for me is the practice of noticing my fears, noticing when these things are coming up and running through my brain. Um, Because when you acknowledge your fear, you can move past it Mm -hmm. or face it. Mm -hmm. And so that helps you disengage with it being part of like who Who you are. are. Right. And you are not your fear. And back in episode 29, I actually mentioned this in one of our inspiration hmm, sections. There you go. Mary Poffinroth's I tip love that name. To remember Rhea. I remember you talking about this mm-hmm. and how much I was like stunned by its simplicity, but also like just so confused why I had never done it before. Right. So it's respond, identify, and address. And so the second that you feel fear... Stop to respond to that feeling, identify what that feeling is, and then address where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. 
And those are really powerful things to do. And like you said, that allows you to disengage from it and it doesn't become part of you. And I think it sounds silly to say like, you are not your fear. It sounds like fluffy, but I think like saying it out loud becomes a much more um, like doable way to actually do it. Like there's a real way you can get stuck in your brain on that one unless you say it out loud, write it down and like, like you have to actively and this, yeah, this definitely took practice because it felt when I read this slash had a conversation about it the first time and then also like heard it reiterated when I listened to this pop- podcast that she was on, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then you do it and you do it enough times and you're like, oh, this is actually working. Right, right, <laughs> right. Exactly. And how exciting is that? Like to have that that breakthrough and say like, oh, my God, like something has helped me. Yeah. <laughs> How do I do so much more of this? <laughs> so, so one of the things that I have been doing for a long time that I need to add more tools to my toolbox, as Doug says, and he's right. Um, but one of the first things that I was able to add to my toolbox when I realized I needed one <laughs> was my therapist about seven years ago, I said, started going to therapy. And this woman was like, just a game changer for me. And she used to ask me, what is the truth? And I was like, what the heck does that mean? Like, um, but like, so for example, like I have a really strong reaction to time and like that is one of my biggest stress points, which results in a lot of anxiety. And like, I always feel like I'm running out of time. And so like, what is the truth? If I'm looking at like, I have an eight hour day to get a fair amount of things done. The truth is that eight hours is a fairly long time and that it is not going to happen where that that happens in a minute. It's not going to be like, oh, my God, I have enough to fill up that eight hours. That's probably not true. So like being able to say like, okay, you have eight hours to get these things done. That's the truth. And the truth is also that eight hours is a long time and eight hours isn't going to fly by. And it's like that process of like saying it out loud or writing it down and reminding myself of the reality of that eight hours is not going to happen in five minutes. It might feel like it in this moment, but that's not true. And like stepping outside of what my brain is doing, which is telling me that it's going to fly by in five minutes, helps me then say, okay, now let me take it one step at a time. But it like grounds me in that moment. And Mm -hmm. that's what this is really meant to do is like, what is the truth is meant to ground you in reality and help you take steps once you've grounded yourself. And that has always been my first step if I'm feeling myself like spin out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if like, you know, so-and-so is so mad at me. Like, I'm freaking out that this person is so mad at me. What is the truth? What was the last thing you talked about with that person? What is the truth? When was the last time you actually even spoke to that person? What is the truth? What did you actually say? <laughs> like, like just breaking it down and, and, like, being able to step outside of it is incredibly helpful. Yeah, I love that. I think that's – ever since you told me that, that's been really helpful for me too because being able to recognize – fear versus reality is an important step to bring yourself down. And I think for me, what's also worked is that calling it out and writing it down makes it easier not to let it brew longer than it needs to. Right. And so um, I mentioned how stress and fear are kind of one and the same for me. And so the second that I'm starting to feel those feelings, I will write out everything that's in my mind out on a piece of paper or my journal or whatever. And that allows me to pinpoint the things that I can actually find solutions for. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and the things that I can put on my to-do list and then things that are actually my imagination making bigger into like making things bigger than they need to be and so with that process it actually allows me it's like oh this thing that I'm worried about is three weeks away Mm -hmm. and so if I just put this on my calendar instead of thinking about it right now I'm going to save it. I'm going to think about it on Friday right. because I have time. I have an hour to think about it and work on it on Friday. Right. And then the other things where it's like, I'm scared that this person's mad at me. <laughs> it's the same thing of like, that's where doing the, where, what is the truth? Right. Mantraing to yourself and answering that question and figuring out like, how do you bring yourself back to reality in that process? It's so helpful. It is so helpful. And like, you know, it doesn't work every single time, but it it has honestly worked for most of the times that like that fear has crept into whatever it is that I'm dealing with or going through. And like, it really is incredibly helpful. And I'm forever thankful. Shout out to Colette. She was just freaking awesome. So that's another uh, tactic you might want to try just to see if it works for you. So to take it another step further, when we mentioned the holding on to the past Mm -hmm. and the solution for that, the thing that you can do is analyzing your fears and change your viewpoint about them. So it's common for things from our past to influence our behaviors today. True. Makes sense? Every every day. (laughs) (laughs) And so making statements about what your fears are is important in this process. Mm -hmm. So what is defining what your fear is, actually thinking about them, writing them down and saying... Perhaps it's, I'll never measure up to anything. Mm -hmm. And then asking yourself questions to dig deeper. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're kind of... Therapizing. Therapizing yourself. (laughs) So why do you feel that way? And then thinking about that answer. Because I think a lot of times you're just, you live in that, like, it's just, I'll never live up to anything. I'll never live up to anything. And it's on repeat in your head at all times. And you constantly make yourself feel bad or feel stressed or feel anxious because of the things that you're telling yourself. And once you take that step further to say, why are you feeling this way? And then actually thinking about what's causing that. Mm -hmm. And perhaps it's because my parents never acknowledged the effort that I put into my schoolwork. Mm -hmm. That could be a common thing that if that happens enough times, that's an ingrained response for you to like, just expect no one to care about your accomplishments. Yeah. And that will fuel everything that you do in your future. It's so true. And it requires like a fair amount of honesty too. And I think that's also a scary thing to do is like, if you like, you know, from this example, if you're like, But I had a great relationship with my parents. So you never want to, like, blame or, like, take it to and say, like, look what you did to me. And, like, that's not what it's doing. But it is acknowledging a real thing that you've experienced and and not experienced from someone that you care so much about. So I feel like that honesty is such a huge piece of how this helps you. Um, move forward or helps you really acknowledge it is because you have to be honest about the other factors involved, not just what the fear is, but what helped the fear create itself or what put it there. And sometimes that's not fun. And sometimes it makes you question things like that you've never really had to question. And um, I think for for me, and I think that would be the hardest part, like, like acknowledging what the fear is, is like a thing you can do. Being honest about why it's there requires um, 
you to dig deeper and in a way that you might not be necessarily super ready for yet. Yeah. You're going to definitely feel some feelings during this process. But it's allowing you from that point on to retrain yourself and shift your mindset. Right. So then you tell yourself, there's like, what is the counter to this fear that I feel of like, no, I'm successful because I've accomplished X, Y, and Z. I'm proud of how far I've come and I don't need outside approval to be happy. Mm -hmm. And we both read... Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass book. And I think that she has some really great exercises in there Mm -hmm. about how to navigate this a little more deeply. And I think the second that you do this and deep dive into your feelings about your fears and what they're rooted in, you can then take another step further of removing yourself from that like self-imposed guilt or fears that are rooted in all of these stressful things in your life. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, So one of the things that I have found very recently, honestly, is that's been also very helpful. (laughs) And I got this tip from a friend of ours, um, but I, but taking CBD. So CBD is cannabidiol and it's extracted from cannabis, but it has no hallucinogenic properties. So it's really important to make that distinction because CBD can be sold like freely in states that don't have um, cannabis as a legal drug. So in New York, where it's not legal, we have CBD readily available to us in like regular stores. And so you want to check, like in, in, I think in states that it is legal, you might want to like just make sure, Double like check. check the bottle, <laughs> make sure that everything's like free and clear. If that's, if you're looking for like the pure CBD, which is what I use. Um, It can be drops or pills. I take the pills. Um, And it has like significantly helped my like fear around running out of time. It has completely flipped my mindset from like the running out and like consistently thinking like, oh my God, I'm running out of time. And like the fear for what that means for whatever is like coming down my line to keeping me very present. And not even like, it's not like a focusing tool. It's not like my brain dust (laughs) supposed to help me focus. Yikes. (laughs) It is very, it's not like focusing my energy in any way. It is simply just getting rid of that like fear of running out of time like that itchy like oh my god like I have five minutes to get a thousand things done it it just I am present and I am aware of of what's in front of me and it has um it has other benefits too but I think for me what it's really done is like turn what has been like consistently nervous energy of like you're like tapping or you're like darting your eyes or you're just like always very conscious of like what's coming next no matter what your fear is coming from to excited energy and like someone told me like she's like I thought about it for a long time and this is what I think that it is and I would totally agree with her that it turns that nervous energy into excited energy and it stops my brain from overanalyzing and going like a million miles an hour to slowing way down and being like this is and it like does that like what is the truth mm-hmm. for me like it answers that question for me just by nature of how it has affected my brain yeah um and it's like again i've been taking it probably for a few months now and it like it what it's done for me has been like (laughs) 
world-changing. Um, I know people that use it for better sleep and like reduce stress and high intention like situations. I take it when I fly now too, because again, the time thing just like hits me like a ton of bricks when I'm flying. Um, and I, I think it's a great option too, like to avoid having to take prescriptive medication if right. that's not something that appeals to you right. or fits within your lifestyle or is something that's, you know that doesn't work for you right this is an option from like more of that holistic standpoint yeah so i like it i'm into it um i know you there's one that you do that i should do more of (laughs) acupuncture yeah so this helps to tone down the fight or flight reaction Hmm. or freeze or freeze um it's helping to reduce cortisol and just in general like from a chinese medicine standpoint like takes the heat out of your body heat Mm. is inflammation etc got it um so for me a monthly visit helps keep that stress and anxiety at bay Mm -hmm. um and it's really one of the best stress stress management tools in my toolbox yeah and sometimes like right now i have a lot going on and i'm like maybe i should make an extra appointment (laughs) (laughs) just baby slide in there and what's great is that a lot of uh, insurance companies are actually offering a certain number of visits on an annual basis, um, which my insurance company does. Nice. So that is a perk so that I only have to pay after a certain amount. Like I'd pay my copay or whatever, or me, uh, sorry, my deductible. And then I have 20 visits for the year, mm-hmm. which is really great that at like really great. my copay price. So it's one of those things that. Every time I go, it's like a check-in. We have a conversation about what's been going on and what are my areas. And literally every single time I'm like, can you hit the, all the anxiety points? <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. The extra benefit, too, is that it's a forced quiet time. Mm-hmm. So I get this 30 minutes of just zone out. Yeah. And I get to meditate and relax and I always feel like a million dollars afterward and for me it's the monthly reset button of like okay you can you've now you can now re-enter the world (laughs) (laughs) it is safe for you to go back out there I have done acupuncture one time and I am still kicking myself for not going back because it was I was terrified because I was nervous for the same reason I was scared to take CBD for the first time because I'm like, I've never done this. How is it going to react with my body and my brain? But I did it. And oh, my God, it it was it was I felt like I had just been at the spa for three hours. Mm -hmm. Truly. Like I walked out of there. and I was like in a haze. I was like, what day is it? Like it was it was what my body had been like screaming for Mm -hmm. for I don't even know how long and it was everything I needed and I do need to get back there but um I fully endorse the acupuncture thing because it was it was magical like it changed everything so it's my my number one yeah I'll always no matter what priority yeah yes (laughs) Um, so the next one that I think is really important is, is changing our language. So the way we talk about the category of fear and anxiety and mental health in general has a real impact on how we and others perceive it. So like, if you're talking about it in terms of like, I have issues or I have problems or someone saying like, just get over it. We perpetuate that thinking and that mental health concerns are not as real as what we might experience like physically. And that has always been like a real clincher for me because no one 
told me how real this is until I started really experiencing it myself. And we still have such a problem with acknowledging it as something that is affecting so many people. So I think if there's anything you can do as a person who either experiences this or doesn't, is stop calling it like something negative and start acknowledging it as a thing that people are really feeling and need actual support on. And I really think like the issues and the problems, like it just like you like twinge when you hear that because you're just like, it's it's not an issue. It's not a problem. It's a thing that I'm going through. And the get over it mentality makes it even worse because mm-hmm. they're, they're, somebody or you're, you to yourself are saying like, it is a thing I can just get over. And it's like, I've heard this a thousand times, but you wouldn't say it, look, at someone with a broken ankle and be like just get over it like just start walking like just right. just take care of it you would get them real help <laughs> or you would like give them a hand <laughs> of some kind so think about it differently change your language and like see how that might impact people that are really struggling yeah and i think just the essence of people talking about it openly as we are today helps to reduce the shame around it mm-hmm. and that goes for mental health across the board right and what i think is really amazing is that people are telling their stories more and i think that if you are one of those people or if you're listening to those stories like give props to the people that are telling their experience and what that process is like because it's educating you right and if you are the one educating like thank you for sharing right and thank you for saying the things that you're going through because the more knowledge that we have about this, the better we can help support the people that need that support or support ourselves. <laughs> because right. I think even just the exposure of like, interesting to read that, I now have some questions to ask. Right, <laughs> like, right. Of my uh, medical professional. <laughs> yeah, like my, I have my own questions to ask. And I think that that's a really good step for us to have control over ourselves and our bodies, but in a positive, supportive, helpful, and eye-opening way. Right. Absolutely. And that just goes to like talking about the education around this and really thinking about, okay, I'm experiencing fear on a really regular basis, or I know someone who is like, seems to be going through a lot, especially when it comes to like fear and how it impacts their everyday life. And so how are we educating ourselves either um, like I, you know, I don't discount what the internet has to provide us as long as it's coming from a credible source. Mm-hmm. I think that is really your number one a time piece of advice is like make sure it's coming from somewhere that has like a dot org on it or a dot. You know, I don't know about the dot govs these dot days, but like, yeah, but the dot edus that's a good one too. Um, or if you have a credible source, share it and like make it available to other people so they can educate themselves. But I also think, you know, like like you said, going to your GP, finding a therapist that works, like that is part of the educational process is teaching yourself not only what what you're going through and why your fear is showing up in certain ways, but how you might find like our solutions might be helpful to you or to find ones that are even more helpful for you as an individual or someone you know as an individual. Um, So that educational piece, like I believe to my core that coming from 
an educational place is what helps us all grow and better understand the people around us. And so we need to start there and we need to actively share what we know so other people who don't have the same access that we might have has those tools as well and has the opportunity to either teach themselves or teach someone else around them that might be going through some things. So that's what we got. It's a beautiful thing. So we're going through. I uh, am proud of us today for uh, conquering this lovely topic. And yeah, we were scared. <laughs> it was honestly fears are real. It was honestly a fear, I think, to to share and talk about ourselves in a way that we don't usually. So, yeah, I think this was good. And if you guys have tips or tricks or solutions that work for you, tell us on our Instagram feed because we'll be sharing this on the uh, on the social channels. Absolutely. Shall we break? Let's break. Feeling like a queen yet? Find us on Instagram and Twitter at queen underscore speaking and tell us all about it. Find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week.